Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. We have been going through the Sermon on the Mount and we will continue to do so, but when we came to the model prayer, the disciples' prayer or the Lord's prayer, however you want to call it, we have taken each phrase because as a model, you want to see what's supposed to be that Jesus told us, what's supposed to be when you pray, what do you say? And so we have gone phrase by phrase and today we're going to look at the last part And then we'll continue on through the Sermon on the Mount. And then we have Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're going to break and we'll finish. Sermon on the Mount goes all the way down through chapter 7. But we're not going to camp the rest of it like we did um, with the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. Would you pray with me now? Lord, we thank you for showing us what to do and what to say. We pray that you would help us to be people that would draw closer to you. And as we look at your word today, would you speak to our hearts, drawing us in right fellowship with you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. A visiting preacher came, and he was long-winded. He kept going on and on and on, made the host pastor nervous. And about the time it looked like he was going to come in for a landing, people in the congregation would say, amen, that's right, preacher, and off he'd go again, and he'd keep on going longer and longer and longer. The host pastor finally started saying, amen, Pharaoh. Guest preacher looked at him kind of funny, but he kept preaching, and, and when he would say, make a good point, the host pastor would say, amen, Pharaoh. Finally, the guest preacher stopped preaching and congregation left. And as he was leaving, the guest preacher asked the host pastor, said, what do you mean exactly when you say amen, Pharaoh? He said, I was telling you to let my people go. (laughs) I don't want to hear any amen Pharaohs from you. But we are coming to the conclusion of the model prayer. And so we're going to look at that for a moment. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now you'll notice when we sing the word amen, we say amen. But when we say it, we say amen. But I want you to know that when you come to this passage, you immediately encounter a problem. Because some of you, in your translation of the Bible, it doesn't contain that phrase. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. If you have a King James Version or a New King James Version, I'm not sure about the New American Standard. I didn't check it. But a lot of the newer translations do not have, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, amen, except in the footnotes or over in the margin. Hence my title today, Praising from the Footnotes. So why is that? I mean, the choir just sang that phrase, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. How come it's not in some of your Bibles and some of you it is? Well, 
to, to seek the solution, you have to enter into what's called textual criticism. Now, what that means is it's the study of various ancient manuscripts of the New Testament to determine which readings are in the original manuscripts. Now, we don't have any original manuscripts. All we have is copies of the originals that have been passed down, and we try to date them back as far as we can so that we show the accuracy of our Bible today. But sometimes when, and there were no printing presses, and sometimes when copies were made, there could be an omission or an addition or a mistake, and then you have people copying the copies and so forth. So there can be some discrepancies from time to time when it comes to the interpretations. And then on top of that, over the thousands, uh, there are thousands of copies of the New Testament that have been in different languages, translated different ways. And some of them are very early manuscripts. Some of them are what we would call late manuscripts because they were a thousand years after Jesus was here on the earth. On top of that, you have sermons from some of the early church fathers, and they quote scripture in their sermons. And so you look at the way they've quoted the scripture and you compare it to manuscripts and to make a lot of this a little easier to understand. There are experts that spend all their life studying these manuscripts and then they write books and then dummies like me read the books and make, make sense out of it. I could not take all of those manuscripts and try to interpret them and all of that. But basically, you can put this phrase in one of three sentences. There are several early manuscripts that don't have this in it. This benediction appears in varying forms in later manuscripts. And we also know that this benediction does not appear in Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. So it seems likely, for, here's what, I'm going to tell you what I believe, and you know I'm always right. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what, what I believe and why I believe it. I believe Jesus taught this to the disciples more than once. I mean, it seems relatively, uh, uh, I can't think of the word, it's probable that he taught the disciples more than once the model prayer. I don't think he repeated it word for word every time. Hence, when you have the gospels, you have varying accounts looking at it a little differently. I also believe that, that he actually said these words. It may not be recorded in Luke, but Luke is still accurate. It is recorded in Matthew. Matthew is accurate. And so I don't have any problem believing that Jesus originally spoke these words. He often repeated his teachings, but he was not bound to say them exactly the same way every time. And I think the manuscript evidence reflects both traditions. I believe it says, well, Luke omitted it. Matthew included it. I believe Jesus spoke it. Incidentally, Jerome, who is involved in the Latin Vulgate, omits this benediction. It's omitted in the Catholic Bible. 
So if you have Catholic friends and you're quoting the model prayer together, they will stop usually at the phrase and deliver us from the evil one. And then they look at you funny when you go, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. They're going to go, wait, wait, did you add this? So that's why you have some variation. In the Jewish traditions, though, when they ended prayers, they usually had some form of doxology or praise. The word doxology means praise. And it could have been that Jesus was, might, might even have quoted some of First Chronicles 29. I have no proof of that. But listen to what David said. King David had just been through a stewardship campaign and raised all the money for the temple. And he was so excited. He was full of praise. Listen to what he says, First Chronicles 29, 10, and 11. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our Father, Israel from everlasting to everlasting yours Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours yours Lord is the kingdom you are exalted as head over all so I said all of that to say I believe Jesus spoke it it's very biblical it does not take away. In fact, I believe it ends it, and I'll tell you why. So let's take a look at it. Now, I'm not ready for you to write yet, and I want you to know I haven't forgotten. <laughs> some, of you are, some of you have already started to sweat. I have not filled in one blank yet. <laughs> it's because I hadn't gotten there yet. So just relax. We're going to get there. But I don't want you to miss the word for, F-O-R, for. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Now, that conjunction means because. And it links this doxology or this praise with everything that precedes it and explains why we're praying the things we pray in the model prayer. Why do we pray for God's name to be hallowed? Why do we pray for his kingdom to come? Why do we pray for our sins to be forgiven and for our bread to be provided day by day? The reason is because God can do it. It's like going to your dad and saying, Dad, will you give me an allowance today because you own the bank? Or it's, it's like going to one of your friends, would you drive me downtown because you have a car? Or brother, will you make this decision because you have the wisdom to, to do it? You're saying, Lord, we, praise thee, we pray these things because you can grant them. You're the king. Your entire universe, the entire universe is your kingdom. You have power. You have power unending. You belong, all of the glory belongs to you. You can do this. So when we pray these things, all of these petitions for God's name to be hallowed, for his will to be done, for his kingdom to come, for our daily needs to be met, for our sins to be forgiven, for us to be protected during the times of trial and temptation from the evil one, because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So there's a reason we pray these things. Matthew Henry put it this way. He said, we pray thy kingdom come because thine is the kingdom. We pray thy will be done for thine is the power. We pray hallowed be thy name because thine is the glory. And to put it differently, the kingdom represents God's jurisdiction over all things that were created the power represents his ability to oversee his kingdom and enforce his decree, and the glory represents the praise that is due him as he does. So, now, let's look at it 
And the first thing we're going to notice is the authority of God. Now you can write it down. Which gives you hope that we're going to finish. I know. Don't tell me I don't know. You can hardly wait till the last blank because you know I'm almost done. Amen, Pharaoh. Let my people go. (laughs) When Jesus told them to pray this or gave them this model, you know who was in control? Rome. Caesar. Caesar, the Roman Empire stretched from the British Isles all the way across the Mediterranean. Wherever the Mediterranean seas touched was part of the Roman Empire as far away as India. That one man, Caesar, had the power over every man, woman, child in the known world. And yet Jesus says, I want you to pray, yours is the kingdom. I want you to remember something. God rules the government. I know we got a lot of knuckleheads in Washington. Not all of them, 90% of them. Yeah. It's my opinion. My opinion's right on that one. (laughs) Governments come and go. Nations rise and fall. As we look around the world, it may look like Satan is running rampant and he's in control. And when you watch the news, you would think that tomorrow the world will end. But I like what A.W. Tozer said. While it looks like things are out of control, behind the scenes there is God who has not surrendered authority. He's still on the throne. The Bible's clear. The God we serve is powerful, all-powerful, in absolute control. Psalm 45, 6. Your throne, (coughs) excuse me, O God, is forever and ever. Psalm 145, 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. God's still on the throne. The kingdom belongs to him. (laughs) The government thinks they own it. They don't. Now, I'm going to blame all this on the cotton ginning that's going on right now. It's kind of wearing me out. The fact that God owns the kingdom points something else to you and me. That everything we have comes from him. If he owns everything, then everything we have comes from him. Your life is a gift. God gave you life. I want you to think about that for a moment. Your life is a gift. Life is a gift. Why do you think we are so upset about abortions? Because that life came from God. And we're not God. And we have no right to take innocent life. I'm not going to preach about abortion, but I want to tell you something. I can't understand how anybody could ever vote for someone who advocates abortion, period. Because that life came from God. Your life came from God. 
Your health is a gift from God. Your career is a gift from God. Your intelligence is a gift. Your strength is a gift. Your personality is a gift. Your children are a gift. Your friendships are a gift. Your possessions are a gift. Your accomplishments are a gift. Your wealth, it's all a gift from God. You own nothing. You own nothing. Everything you have is on loan from God. He gives it to you for a little while, and he says, I want you to take care of this for a little while. But when you draw your last breath, it transfers back to him. We're like kids trying to hold on a few marbles. Well, these marbles are mine, and I'm going to see that I've got them, but eventually you're going to let go of them because you don't own anything. And life is the ultimate gift. I'm going to tell you in just a minute, you will never cease to exist. Once you've been given life, you will never cease to exist. <laughs> life is the ultimate gift, but none of us lives forever. And so while we're here on this earth, whether we're rich, poor, beggar, thief, man, woman, boy, girl, white, black, young, old, unchristian, Roman Catholic, cardinal, all of us are going to die physically, but you're not going to die eternally. So, God, yours is the kingdom. And when you go home after church, you just say, yours is the kingdom. It all belongs to you. Now, he mentions two attributes, what I call two attributes of God. These are not all the attributes of God. For thine is the kingdom, your, your kingdom. The power and the glory. I want to talk about the power and the glory. The first one, I, it speaks of the greatness of God. Yours is the power. Whatever his children need, the Heavenly Father can supply. You need wisdom, he's got wisdom. You need strength to carry your burdens, he has an unlimited supply. You need power, his hands are the ones that created the universe. You need mercy, his mercies are new every day. You need material things, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. How great is our God. Psalm 62, 11 says, the psalmist said, God has spoken once, twice have I heard it, that all power belongs to God. All kings, all presidents, everybody in authority, any place, they think they own it. They don't. God has the power. God owns everything. God is in control of everything. He can do anything he pleases because he holds all the power. He's almighty God. Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Genesis 42, 2, I know that you can do everything and that no thought can be withheld from you. Jeremiah 32, 17, ah, Lord God, behold, you made the heaven and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm, and there is nothing too hard for you. Matthew 19, 26, but Jesus said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Ephesians 3, 20, and now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Folks, God is great. It's easier to list the things that God cannot do than it is to list the things God can do. Well, I thought God could do everything. No, there's several things God cannot do. He cannot lie. 
There's no falsehood in him. He's completely true. He cannot lie. He cannot change. He's immutable. He cannot make mistakes. He cannot fail. And when we come before him in prayer and we pray with confidence because he has the power to hear us and to grant our request, God never leads his people where he cannot meet their needs. When you pray, yours is the power. We affirm our confidence that God will give us what we need in good times and hard times, that even in our trials, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Write this down. I don't have a blank for it. God is God. God is great. Well, do that. God is God. God is good. God is great. God is God. God is good. God is great. In fact, let's just say it together. God is God, God is good, God is great. One more time. God is God, God is good, and God is great. Now, when you say God is God, it's just that. We need to remind ourselves of the first rule of spiritual life. He is God and we're not. And because God is God, he can do whatever he pleases. We don't necessarily like that. Because sometimes in a situation, he can do things in our lives that we can't see all that he's doing. We don't understand. But God is God. And because he is running the universe and I'm not running any part of it, I have to leave that part to him. I can't fix all the problems in the world. I'm thankful that I'm not God. (coughs) He is God. And we need to remember that. It humbles us. But God is also good. It means that his heart is inclined toward kindness. It gives me courage to pray for mercy in times of trouble. It helps me to keep a positive perspective when life tumbles in around me. Now, we often say that God works all things together for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. But I want to ask you something. Is God, I'm not going to ask you, I'm going to tell you. God is always good, even if your circumstances aren't. You got to remember, we live in a cursed world. Bad stuff happens to us, to our families. But is God still good in that time? Yeah, you see, a lot of times we say, well, you know, everything's going well. I feel good. I'm healthy. I've got all my bills paid. And somebody says, how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. God's been good. But now if things are going bad and and somebody's come down with an illness and, and tragedy strikes, I don't know, you lose your job and you say, well, how are you doing? Well, I'm going through a rough time. But we never say God is good, do we? Because we associate it with our circumstances. But even in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of the trials and the hardships and the heartbreaks and the heartaches, God is always good. He's bent toward kindness and God has been good to you even in ways you don't even realize. Well, why did he let this happen to me? Well, 
He didn't cause it. He allowed it. Yeah. Do I understand everything? No. But I will tell you this, and in the middle of it, God is always good. He's good even if my circumstances are not. But then we say when God is great, we're means that he's not limited by my circumstances. <laughs> I'm so glad he's above my circumstances. He can work through them for my good, for his glory. I, he can deliver me through. He said, in the midst of all that stuff you're going through, I'm still here. I still love you. I haven't left. So when we say God is good, we can be humbled. Excuse me, God is God, we can be humbled. When we say God is good, we can be encouraged. And when we say God is great, we can be thankful. But he also speaks of the glory of God. All that God does, he does for his glory. Yours is the glory. All that God does for us, all that God does in us, all that God does through us, all that God does with us, he does for his glory. He saved us for his glory. What is God's glory? It is what enhances the reputation of God. He's not some egomaniac. He's just letting us know he loves us. But when he saves us, he gets the credit. You didn't save yourself. He saved you. When when he delivers you, he gets the credit. When he stays with you, he gets the credit. God never answers prayer in any way that doesn't bring (coughs) glory to his name. Got a drink. Somebody told me I was a windmill that ran on water. Some of y'all didn't even get that. (laughs) Amen, Pharaoh. Sometimes, sometimes God's glory is enhanced through a miraculous answer to prayer. Sometimes God is glorified when his children endure suffering patiently. This principle applies to all areas of life. Sometimes God is glorified through our prosperity. Sometimes he's glorified through our poverty. Sometimes the reputation is enhanced when the job that we pray for, we get it. Sometimes God is glorified when we react in a godly manner when we lose our job. God can be glorified everywhere we are. And we pray that his will be the glory. He'll do whatever is best for our ultimate spiritual good And in the end, he will discover, we will discover that what was for our spiritual good also also ultimately brought glory to his name. We see God's authority. We see God's attributes. But we also see the agelessness of God. For thine is the power, the glory forever. 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 You can't comprehend forever. The the word means age to age, eon to eon, era after era, forever and ever. We're told that all these things, his kingdom, his power, and his glory are forever. He's immutable, which means he does not change. 
Malachi 3.6, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. James 1.17, in God there is no variation or shadow of turning. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that lives in you, the Holy Spirit. God has not changed. We're told today by liberals in theology and society in general that, you know, you know, over the years that God has sort of gotten soft on sin. After all, we've, we've got a Supreme Court that rules that this is not sin anymore, and we've got this that says it's okay, and we vote as a majority that this is okay now. And, and besides that, it's just the cool thing to do, and culture says this, and culture says that. Let me tell you something. God hadn't changed one iota, not one. He's still as holy as he's ever been forever. You are going to live forever. And you can't fathom that because we have a beginning and an end. You were made for eternity. That's why in 2 Corinthians 4, when it says the outer man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Do you know why all of you in here feel up here in your mind that you're 25 years old, but the mirror tells you otherwise? (laughs) Why don't we all just get rid of mirrors? We'd all feel better. But we look in there and go, I feel so young, but my body won't do what it used to do. The reason is you're made for eternity. You're going to live forever. Put it another way. When you are given life, you never cease to exist. Thank you, Jim. You never cease to exist. Never. So you're either going to live with God forever or you're going to live away from God forever. There are some people who believe in annihilation that once you die without Christ, you'll be annihilated, that you just will cease to exist. You won't know anything. You just. That's not what Jesus said. Well, God doesn't change, and we will forever be with him. Also, don't want you to miss the amen. What does amen mean? It's found 25 times in the Old Testament, 125 times in the New Testament. Sometimes it's translated in your Bible as verily, verily, or truly, truly. But you know, a lot of people use it sort of like a sign off. We pray, <clears throat> then we say, Roger, over and out. Amen. <laughs> 10 4, I'm done. <laughs> the word means, so be it. Let it be true. It, I affirm this. Some languages, it means true, it also means yes. But a lot of times, if we're honest, when we pray, we don't really think about amen. This is sort of the ending. If we didn't say amen, you wouldn't know when the prayer was over. (laughs) Don't we? 
But the amen speaks volumes. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. When we use the last word in our prayer, amen, we're saying yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, yes, true, verily, verily, you let it be so, amen, it is true. <coughs> I got to quit speaking too loud. <coughs> I'm sorry. You're agreeing, yes, God, this is all true. In World War II, there was a German prison camp, a notorious prison camp, in which a lot of our allied soldiers were imprisoned. And one day, a murmur began to spread through the camp because there was a radio hidden in one of the huts and one of the men heard that D-Day invasion had already taken place. He knew when he heard it that it meant that a great armada was moving across France to liberate the world. He knew he would soon be freed. And the whisper spread throughout the camp, D-Day, D-Day, we'll, we'll soon be free. And the word got to the Scottish chaplain and speaking in his Scottish brogue, which he knew could not be understood even by the Germans who knew English, because if you've heard Scottish people speak English, it's a little hard to understand. He shouted, victory has come, victory has come, so that every man in the prison could hear it. They knew that though they had not yet been freed, that soon they would be delivered. When we pray, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus is telling us, the victory's mine. My kingdom's coming. I, I won the victory on Calvary. My power is coming. My glory is coming. You just keep that in mind. And we live in a world that seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And it, it's discouraging. And we sometimes want to say, God, where are you in all of this? Why are you letting this happen? But if you read the end of the New Testament, you're going to find that it's right on track for the second coming of Jesus. So that's why. And we know that he's coming. So we keep telling ourselves, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever. Yes. 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 That's what amen means. It's not just saying the end of a prayer. Yes. It's true. Let it be. Let it happen. And I pray that today you are excited about it happening. I know that one day the Lord will return and I know that God's put in us the desire to be here as long as we can. And so I'm not advocating we get the bus and go to heaven today. <clears throat> but how many of you are ready for that? Amen. I want you to think about it. If you're watching on television, if you're watching online, I want you to realize you will never cease to exist. Now, thankfully, we're not going to be in this body forever. Yes, amen. <laughs> but... You'll never cease to exist. 
And if you don't know Jesus, let me tell you something else. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That hasn't changed. I don't care what people say. Oh, there's a lot of avenues to God today. No, there's not. There's only one because only one sinless man died on the cross. That sinless man was Jesus. And so when, when the people say, well, there's other ways to God, well, you're not reading the same Bible I'm reading. And if you don't know Jesus, what do we have to do to talk you into doing that? I can't do it. For one thing, only the Holy Spirit can lead you to do that. And only the Holy Spirit can convict you of sin. But I, I just find it so amazing that people can't see the issue clearly if you don't know Jesus you're going to live forever in darkness in hell away from God if you know Jesus you're going to be with God forever what part of that do you not understand So for those of you watching online, for those of you watching on television, right now you can give your life to Christ. Those of you in this room, you can give your life to Christ. And I wouldn't take another step until I had that settled because you could fall down the stairs and kill yourself today. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for showing us how to talk to you. And thank you that you are in control. Thank you that this kingdom is yours. And one day it's going to be perfected again. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. (laughs) Lord, we lift up those who right now can hear my voice and are not ready to meet you. You have come to give us life, life abundantly, eternal, eternal life with you. We pray for those who are not ready for that. I pray that you'll encourage Christians today because some of them have been beaten beaten up pretty good this week. Sometimes we forget that you are still in control. We pray for those that need a church. Lord, they need a hospital for sinners. (laughs) This is the place. If not, then show them where to be. We pray for those that need to be baptized, to be unashamed, to be one to say, I follow Jesus publicly. We pray that you would speak to hearts and bring people to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.